Welcome to Mulready Minutes with Oklahoma Insurance Commissioner Glenn Mulready. This is a podcast about insurance for insurance folks, risk managers, and business leaders. We'll dive deep and look at what is and isn't working, talk to leaders in the industry, and keep you informed on what's happening in Oklahoma and around the country. Well, welcome to another Mulready Minutes podcast. Uh, I'm real excited about this um, episode. We've got a great guest with us, and so this is about disaster preparedness, about being ready. We have a, a new theme that we've launched at the Oklahoma Insurance Department, uh, saying Mulready says get ready, so before, during, and after a storm. And so sort of in conjunction with that, we have a great guest who um, is a good friend as well, and um, he, uh, Paul Martin, is from Austin, Texas, and let me just, if I can, I'll just read his bio. But uh, Paul earned his degree in public studies, public policy studies from Vanderbilt and a law degree from the University of Miami. He is admitted to practice law in Tennessee, Florida, and Texas. Paul works in government relations for a reinsurance trade association. In addition to having successfully tried a number of jury and non-jury cases to verdict, he's also worked as house counsel for a Fortune 50 insurance company. During his professional career, he's helped develop incident response and business continuity planning and training programs for law firms and insurers. In September 2015, Paul published a book, Pivot Points, Creating a Culture of Preparedness and Resiliency in America. That's the book I've read. And uh, Paul examines the current state of the preparedness movement and suggests various strategies to imp uh, implement a preparedness mindset into the American culture. And I would highly recommend that, that book. Uh, in his first book, Bracing for Impact, a practical guide for preparing for disaster, came out in 2011. Uh, and Bracing for Impact provides law firms, small businesses with practical guidance on developing disaster plans to improve workplace safety and business continuity. Um, as I said, Paul lives in Austin. He's very involved. He has a, a wife who's a CPA and a daughter who's a CPA. Um, so welcome, Paul. Welcome to Oklahoma. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're, we're excited. Not that I'm not excited about other episodes we do, but I guess as I was thinking about this preparing, I thought the nice thing about this episode is it literally applies to everybody. And so, you know, we have, we've had some great episodes, but I also, I'll, I'll have to admit when we're doing an episode on, I don't know, captive insurance, there may be like 3% of the population that don't care about that. It's a very exciting topic, <laughs> captive but insurance. But this, this topic right. and what we're going to talk about really literally applies to absolutely everyone. So um, let, me, let me jump right into some questions. So you have been my, um, I jokingly and my family refer to you as my prepper friend. And so a uh, great resource for me and, uh, you know, some of the things uh, that we have implemented in our house and even in my day-to-day my, my -day life. Um, has come from you and uh, just a great resource. So tell me how you kind of got just started in that, or was there an incident that triggered your um, focus and being prepared? Uh, but tell, tell me how you got started. Yeah. In that whole so thing. I grew up on a farm in Tennessee, was very active in the 4-H projects of beef and wildlife and forestry uh, and public speaking. And so when you think about being a farm kid, sometimes those life lessons of resiliency tend to bleed into other parts of your life as well. And being Gen X, you know, we were raised on movies like Red Dawn and The Day After and all those, you know, really scary you know, World War III type movies. And that was just part of our steady diet. But I really didn't get into this until I show up to go to law school in Miami in August of 1992. And a week later, Hurricane Andrew came through. And so here I am, Tennessee farm kid who has never lived outside the state of Tennessee. I have been in Miami for an entire week, and now we have a Category 5 hurricane wow. bearing down on us. 
and I had no power in my apartment for about 17 days, and I made a promise and a pledge to myself that I will never be as unprepared for a natural disaster or any other disaster as I was for that event. And so then a few years later, you know, we had Y2K, which turned out to be a non-event, but I think the educational piece of that was that the infrastructure and the systems that we had built to run our society may not have been as resilient as we thought. And then, you know, a couple of years later, we had 9-11. And I think that was a wake-up call for a lot of people. And so after that event, after 9-11, I really started getting serious about writing and blogging and uh, talking to people about preparedness. And as a result, I've, I've made a lot of great friends, and I've, I've learned a lot of really valuable life lessons along the way. That's great. So there indeed was a was an incident, a storm incident that that triggered or moved you in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's very common for a lot of people. You know, they uh, in Texas we had the winter storm just last year, and there were a lot of people who said, you know what, I think I'm going to start becoming better prepared, or even a prepper, because you lived in your house for three or four days with no electricity, some of those days with no water. People had sort of dismissed, I think, being prepared until it came to them, it came to their house, came to their neighborhood. And then that's when they decided, I need to start taking this more seriously. Yeah, yeah, I know personally, uh, you know, ice storm, I can't remember the year back when in, in Tulsa, and, uh, you know, being without power for quite a few days. Uh, boys were younger, it was kind of fun for about 48 hours, <laughs> cooking hot dogs on the fireplace and that sort of thing. But yeah, that, that sort of triggered me a little bit as well. And so, I mean, that, was, that led to our purchase of a generator was just that ice storm where we uh, went without for at least a week of, with no power. Um, so one thing that I have loved, Paul, when I read the book uh, is your, um, your focus, I guess, if you will, on, and, and I'll read a quote, uh, above all else, take action so that if and when crisis comes, your family's needs are covered and, and that's my emphasis on and, you're in a position to help others. So I've enjoyed that perspective in, in your um, book and, and in your take on it is you're not just positioning yourself for you and your family. That's the priority, but also that puts you in a position to help others. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the book was really sort of a, a self-evaluation. And prior to that, I had always thought of preparedness as a individual sport. I'm prepared. You're not. When the disaster comes, I win, you lose. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Sucks to be you. <laughs> right. And as I started writing and thinking more back about my journey in preparedness, I realized, you know, that's a really selfish mindset. And if we're all taking that attitude, then what is the benefit to society as a result? And as I began to think more about it, uh, and as my faith developed and as my involvement in the community, involvement in charities developed, I realized, you know, this is about being prepared, having my affairs squared away so that I don't have to worry that my family's needs are being met, my, my pet's needs are being met, so that I can be a resource to my neighborhood, to my community, to my employer, so that we can be a, an asset in that necessary rebuilding process after a disaster. And when we start to think about it in terms of helping the community, you know, the wonderful thing about talking about preparedness here in Oklahoma is it reminds me of the Oklahoma standard, mm -hmm. right? Those values of service, of, of kindness, of honor, it's really, e I think it's an easier sell here than it may be in other states because you have all these natural disasters that you have to contend with. You had that horrible attack uh, here years ago in 1995. People in Oklahoma understand this. And relate. it's just a matter of, you know, you, you, experts tell us it's a matter of saliency and self-efficacy. That's the two things you need to get people better prepared. Saliency is making it important. Self-efficacy is about teaching them how to do that. The saliency piece in Oklahoma is already done. 
Now we just need to work, all of us need to work on self-efficacy, actually getting better prepared. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about, uh, and, and just on that point, just last week I was down in Kingston, Oklahoma, where tornado hit uh, with our emergency management director. And um, we talked about that um, when we left, you know, when there's a, like that, a big storm hits, places are trashed, people are injured. Uh, luckily, no one was killed here in Oklahoma in that. But um, so that's a really rough part, and it's amazing to see the damage that's done. But then what I got to see two days, 48 hours later, maybe not even 48 hours later, is the Oklahoma standard. So there's folks down there cleaning up. There, there are people, volunteers out handing out food and water everywhere. I mean, it's really uplifting to see that in action. And you talk about that from the standpoint of those folks that are what you call ready citizens. So what what is a ready citizen in your mindset? Yeah, so a ready citizen is someone, again, sticking with the Oklahoma theme, that embraces that Oklahoma standard. But in addition to that, in order to effectuate those values, they've made the decision to have supplies on hand, extra food, extra water, as well as the training necessary to be uh, helpful to others. They have some first aid training. They know how to run that chainsaw when the trees come down their neighborhood. Uh, They take care of their vehicles. They do lots of preventative maintenance so that when they want to help, they're actually capable of helping because there's so many people who have a good heart and want to help, but they've not made any efforts, any plans of when a disaster strikes, what can I do? And all of us can do something. You know, there are people who are uh, older, who may not be as physically strong as they were uh, many years ago, but there are things they can do. There are things little kids can do. And part of the thing that I stress to people is find something that you are really good at that is needed in a time of disaster and get really good at delivering that good or service. And you will find that there are many opportunities for you to be uh, a helper in your community in times of crisis. Yeah, to your point about even age, you know, last week I saw very young people, school-aged teenagers, handing out food and water. I saw, um, no offense, but some elderly folks, part of the Baptist Relief Network there. I mean, they immediately come down, and these guys are in their 70s, wielding chainsaws and and clearing off lots for folks that they've never met in their life. And so there's that response that is really, really just heartwarming. and, and I would just say, you know, we've, I, I mentioned at the beginning, our Mulready says get ready. And so a little little story about being a ready citizen um, that I may have already shared with you, Paul, but uh, I did a really good job over the years of training my sons on how to, if dad's gone, dad's in Oklahoma City or dad's traveling and we lose power, here's the steps, here's exactly what we do with the generator. Well, uh, it was just a few weeks ago, I was getting ready to go out of town, and there was a pending storm coming to Oklahoma. And I realized, I walked out to the living room and told my wife, Sally, hey, Mulready says get ready, but I didn't help you get ready. You don't know how to operate that generator. Your boys do, and they're all now gone to college. So literally, I'm out there at 6 a.m. in the garage, walking her through the steps and showing her how to operate the generator if they lose the power while we're gone. So it's also a kind of evolving process of, of being prepared. Um, so. It, so let's say someone comes to you, Paul, and they, they want to get started. They, they are hearing the message that's in your book and that we're talking about today, but how does, how does someone get started? Yeah, so the challenge has been as of late. You know, 20 years ago when I got into this, there was not a lot of really good information about how to get started in preparedness. Now we have the opposite problem. Now there's lots of information out there. You get information overload. 
some of the information is better than other parts of the information. So what I have done is, because I was getting so many of those questions you talk about, is I just set up a website and I put, I've created a 50-page manual you can download for free, and it goes through step-by-step, paint-by-number on how to get prepared. You can do uh, a fair amount of your preparedness in about three days. So you could take a long weekend and buy stuff, and the stuff you're, I would suggest you get, most of it's available at your local grocery store. Most of it's available at your local uh, sporting goods store. You don't have to buy NASA astronaut food or, you know, 80-year shelf life. I mean, some, I have some of that stuff, and there's some good products out there, but it's not necessary. So you can go through these steps. Um, I have a blog, and I talk about various topics as well, and one of the reasons I started that was people would ask me questions. What about a generator? What do I need to know about a generator? What do I need to know about this? What do I need to know about water purification? Well, I have blog posts, and I just send them uh, a link now. So there's a lot of ways you can do this uh, very inexpensively. And that's one of the things I really stress is do start simple, do the inexpensive things, do the free things first, mm-hmm. right? Do, there's so many things you can do for free. You can take an inventory of your items in your house for insurance purposes. It doesn't cost you a dime, right? You can look around and, and clean out your closets. That doesn't cost you a dime. Do those things that don't necessarily cost any money. Do that as part of maybe your pre-work, and then you can start building into preparedness because you're going to need a place to put all that extra food, maybe some extra water. Getting some of that stuff out of your closets that didn't cost you anything, that's a good first step. Mm-hmm. That's great. As you, as you talk, I think of... Um you know, it's like getting in shape, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna run out and run a marathon tomorrow, but you're gonna start by taking some steps and running a mile or or getting there. And I think um, as you were talking, I was kind of just thinking of that as getting in shape. Like you got to just start somewhere and just start start taking steps forward. That's a great analogy. And you know, my friends who do marathons always refer to a kind of a training program. You know, they've got a marathon, they put it on the calendar, and then they'll have six months to lead into it, and then they do a certain regimen every week to get ready for that final event. And one of the things I do in, in, in recommending to people is do the steps in order because it's so easy to get overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, I've got to have food, I've got to have water, I need batteries, what, what do I do about my pets? What do I do about my elderly parents that live across town? And you get paralysis by analysis many times. And what I tell people is make, you know, get my manual, get someone else's manual, doesn't matter what you do. But come up with a schedule, come up with a checklist, and do those things in order. That way you don't get overwhelmed, and you're making sure that you accomplish those key tasks that you need to get done in order to get better prepared. Yeah. I, I think of uh, something else that, I, that I've picked up from you over the years is there, there's ways to um, – we're talking more sort of disaster-related uh, and in our home, but there are little things that can be done. And and I'll give you an example, just just in just thinking a little differently, you know, in, in, in being prepared. And something that uh, might seem a little silly, but I picked up from Paul, is that is when, whenever I check into a hotel room now, I, uh, I I look for the nearest exit from my room and I walk those steps, right? So, okay, I'm going to exit my door and I'm going to walk 32 steps to the right. Thinking if there's a fire, something happens, I'm not going to be able to see that's where the exit is. And so little thing takes me, you know, 60 seconds when I check into a hotel. But are there some other little practical things that are outside of sort of disaster preparedness at home that you might throw out there? One of the things I like to recommend to people is creating what I call the evening layout so that if you have to get up in the middle of the night for some reason in a hurry to fix something outside or to take care of something, that your clothes, your shoes, your flashlight, 
all of it is laid out so you can get it on quickly. Um, that's one of the things, it's just creating that mindset that you know, preparedness is more about a lifestyle rather than just, okay, I've bought my food and water, yeah, check, and now it's done. It's about being conscientious of everything around you and thinking, always asking yourself, what if? If I had to get up tonight in the middle of the night at 3.30 in the morning to tend to something outside, what could I do right now that's really easy to do, doesn't take a lot of time, that would make my life much easier? And that's and I learned that you know years ago I was a volunteer firefighter when I first moved to Texas. And that's one of the things I did was that you might get called out at the middle of the night getting your gear together collected so that you can get it on quickly and get out the door and start helping people those are the things that you can do is just start asking yourself you know what what could happen when i drive to work and what could i do to manage that risk and you may say i could have a fire extinguisher in my car or i could have a first aid kit in my car and when you talk about your vehicles i tell people you know do preventative maintenance make sure you've got good tires and good brakes and so many people, when they hear that, they say, you know, gee whiz, I, I thought preparedness was about buying water filters and guns and ammo and night vision. And, and a bunker. Bun <laughs> right, right. Got, getting my truck lifted so I can uh, have big tires on it. I thought that's what prepping was all about. And there's some of that, right? But the, the message I tell people is if you are bored of your preparedness efforts, it probably means you're doing it right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Mulberry Minutes. That wraps up our conversation with Paul Martin. You have some great resources to go to with those websites, uh, ready.gov, the IBHS website, and of course, always, oid.ok.gov. Thanks for joining us.